It's a rainy Sunday evening here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is pretty much just another day, if we're being completely honest. Uh, Not much changes in terms of weather. It's a pretty predictable thing. Uh, You know, you can go on your phone and you could be like, what's the weather like? Oh, well, the weather is kind of the same as it was last week. But every once in a while, every decade or so, something happens where you're like, oh, wow, negative 13 is still a band? (laughs) I haven't seen them do anything in almost 20 years. And it's kind of wild. So today on the show, representing a new forecast of Pittsburgh heavy metal, make some noise, Ed and Scott of negative 13 in the building. I feel like this is a long overdue conversation, even just for me and you. It's like, Uh, you know, we've, you know, we've had our, uh, our once Sunday, uh, Sunday brewery hangs. We've had a few of those. We've had a few of those. It's been a while since we've done that, but you know, uh, you know, I've known Ed now for you know several years, I guess, mm-hmm. in the in the local scene. But right. uh, Scott is a a new friend of mine. We only met several months ago, maybe or maybe like about a year ago now. I guess time's kind of flying. It's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. In October of last year, last October of last year is when we met. But you know, let's skip all that. Nobody cares when we met. This isn't the MCU. They don't need the origin story. Let's talk about Negative 13. You just put out a new record, the first record that you've put out in over 20 years, and maybe in some ways your (laughs) first record. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like it's a second album, or does it feel so new and so removed that it's like a rebirth? (laughs) Um, I don't know. What do you think? Because sometimes I feel like this is just, it's a new start. It's It's a whole new Whole new run. Yeah, that's why I asked the question. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> whole new run. We, yeah, it's, I mean, I, it's one of those, it's a lifetime ago, the first record, you know, it's when we did it and we were young and naive and clueless and we just did something together. We had some chemistry though that we never kind of lost, but um, yeah, it feels like it's a whole nother lifetime ago. So I'm going to say this is kind of like a whole, like a brand new album, first start, first totally. album. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, with being away from uh, the music scene for so long in terms of like a stage sort of situation, I know, Ed, you weren't playing in any bands in that time, right? I, I, didn't, I didn't play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't touched a guitar in 12 years until um, last year. Okay. And then, uh, you know, in that, in that interim of space there, Scott, what was your life like? Were you on stage at all doing anything or were you also just break? Breaked out. Uh, yeah, I was uh, <laughs> locked down. <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> Fair enough. You didn't need COVID to lock you down. You were in it. Yeah. I right. can vouch for that. Yeah, yeah I went. I went. Uh, I went ghost. Gotcha. Gotcha. Affirmative. Mm-hmm. Understood. <laughs> so you know, with all of that being said, you know, you take all this time away from the music scene, and then you start to get back into it. Um, maybe this would be a better question for Scott. Like, what were some of like the biggest differences that you noticed in that time frame of just being away from it for so long and then starting to dip your toes back in? The age. <laughs> <laughs> the age of the crowd, the age of the artists has definitely changed <laughs> for me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's do you feel like though like 
maybe aesthetically or like at its core, it doesn't feel too much different other than that though to you. Mm-hmm. No. Well, the, the music scene, is music. Yeah. But the scene exploded here while we were away. I mean, we got and we've talked about this mm-hmm. as a band. Like there's there's an actual metal scene here now where 19 years ago it was a struggle. It was a fight to get on a bill, it was a struggle to get a gig. Um I, and I don't mind saying this. Anyone who was in that scene back then will tell you that the scene was antagonistic. It was more adversary um, type of behavior, adversarial behavior, than there was people actually trying to help each other out. And now I think it's more altruistic. Um, and I think that's actually what's helped propel the scene. And, you know, I, you know me because I, you know, as a writer too, and I interviewed you for the city paper. And we yeah. talked about this before. I thought I interviewed you twice. We talked about how the scene now is just explosive. And I think, you know, there's about 15 bands in the city that are releasing albums internationally, metal bands. Yeah. And they're touring the world. Uh, about 10 of them, nine of them are getting to tour internationally uh, as well. And other ones are touring nationally. Um, that didn't happen back then. It was, it was, it was Zayo. <laughs> sure. That, that's, that's what it was. It was just Zayo. And but the underground scene here wasn't as friendly as it is now. It wasn't as helpful as it is now. Um, that, think, to me, is the biggest difference between 19 years ago and now. You know, with that being said, do you think that you would have felt motivated to bring the band back had the environment of the local scene not been what it has become? Uh, couldn't, I couldn't do it. I mean, I had to, re, I had to rediscover. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I, and I egged him to go out to shows. It's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, I said, he's like, I don't think that things are going on. It's like, you just got to go out. Mm hmm. Uh, you'll start to see what bands are doing things in the scene. It's, it's, it, it's easy for someone who doesn't get involved in going to shows to know who Code Orange is in this town because obviously they're on a big label and they have a big push. It's like, oh, wow, they're a Pittsburgh band. Okay, but that's it's not that's not it. There's, there's beyond them, and what they're doing is wonderful. But they, too, are also championing the scene. Uh, but there's just more to it, and I egged them to go, and he's like, oh, wow, there's a lot going mm-hmm. on in this city. And there's yeah. actually venues now. Yeah, there was, I mean, there's definitely periods where there was nothing going on. Yeah. So I, you know, I feel like I missed a lot, but I didn't miss a lot in the same way. Yeah. It's been kind of fun with me doing this podcast because around the time that I started playing a lot of shows was like 2008, 2009. And things were really starting, things I guess had picked up to some degree and it started to die out again. And then by the time 2012, 2013 came around, it was like a ghost town again in Pittsburgh temporarily. Yeah. I started this podcast in, 20, in 2014. And then like as I've been doing this podcast and talking to people, like naturally like the scene has like grown and the podcast has been able to grow with the scene. And it's been fun to see it like blossom. And I'm not yeah. saying that that's definitely not a result of my fucking podcast. It's just a coincidence. Yeah, that- see, Ryan's <laughs> podcast debuts, the scene blows up. <laughs> no, yeah, no, 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 no way. Some of the fucking ding-dongs I had on the early days, I don't even know if half those people are alive anymore, man. Uh, I, mean, I, gotta, I gotta be honest with you because we, when we were in 2000, this, this incarnate, this lineup that we had is, we formed in 99. Like, we got together in 99. It's, you know, um, we still play songs like the, the the first two or three songs we play that we wrote. Then you know we still play one of them, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, like we love it, but um, 
we it's not who we are anymore. No, but so. we it's still yeah. This song, the first album, still has some special spots for us. But um, there's we latched into the hardcore scene more than the metal scene because the hardcore scene kind of embraced us and took this took us in a, a bit better than the rest of the metal scene. Um, so we just played with more hardcore bands back then. The hardcore scene in Pittsburgh in the late '90s was bananas, awesome. Yeah, um, bananas, awesome. It was. Uh, yeah, there's still some. I was I was at a record store in Sweden and I saw like an endless and no retreat CD and I was like, whoa, look at this! <laughs> you know, it was it was endless no retreat, boat upon frustration, gut wrench. Um, yeah, Alan. Yeah. Yeah. So those those were the bands that we played with back then. I, right. So I got to say that was we latched into that when we tried to branch into the metal scene. We didn't we didn't really find any love or respect. And it's cool that at least that that aspect of the scene still remembers us. Yeah, no, that's great. We, I, yeah, I think that it's been really fun in general outside of just the music scene, but to watch the local metal scene become way more friendly and way more um, communal, like social with each yeah. other. Because um, that also wasn't a thing. Like when I was the first metal band that I was in that was playing shows would have been Ascend the Fallen, which that was with me and Colt from Grey Walker. We were in that band together with some other people. Um, and uh, at that time, you know, it was metalcore. That's what we were doing. Mm -hmm. It's not too different from what Greywalker is now, just not nearly as technical and sub the pseudo thrashiness that Greywalker might have from time to time. That wasn't there. You know what I mean? It was more just like straight up like metalcore of the era, right? But the bands that we were playing with, it was like a lot more of that like um, – like MySpace hardcore type stuff or like uh the um the bands that wanna be like all shall perish or oh, the yeah. uh the job for a cowboy type yeah. bands and things like that. And we really weren't any of that. It was really hard for us to like find a place where we felt like we belonged. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those bands weren't like always the coolest to us. You know? Whereas like now, like Greywalker, there's not many bands that we like sound exactly like in the city but we can play on shows with pretty much any metal band and yeah. like it works but, because there's not that pressure to feel right. like you need to but be like the, a competition and the bills now are f far more diverse yeah 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 right we've already played two shows back and one of them was the millville uh, metal festival but the first show we played at black forge it was a you know we played a thrash thrash punk we played with a grind band we played with a, a groove metal band. It's like, that wouldn't have happened before. Everyone wanted to try to sit like, well, there's got to be four hardcore bands on one building, totally. four death metal bands. Yeah. And now I like the fact that it's just a celebration of our scene. Yeah, no, I like embracing the diversity because it really pulls out that, like, any dumb need for competition. Like, oh, like, my death metal band's going to be way more better yeah, than right. your death metal band. It's just like, ah, fuck it. We're the only <laughs> death metal band on the bill. And it's funny that you said MySpace, by the way, because we were like, <laughs> we joke about this at band practice. <laughs> mm -hmm. we, 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 we stopped playing in 2003, like when we first stopped. And that was before MySpace. <laughs> MySpace ended. Like MySpace is already over, and we're back. We're like we didn't even get to set up a MySpace page. <laughs> you totally missed an entire generation, which may be like for the best. Yeah. Uh, there's not 
a whole lot of um, artistic good <laughs> that came out of that generation, to be honest with you. As somebody that hosts a MySpace-themed dance party every month. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's very much like uh, an exercise in uh, nostalgic cringe mm-hmm. that you have a soft spot for. Right. So, right. I mean, I, there's a lot of that stuff that I enjoy. I think a lot of fun reasonably embarrassing but fun pop music came out of that era for sure yeah but like what it contributed to rock or heavy music i'm not too sure i'm sure someone could make a good argument i'm sure there's bands that came out of that era that i'm not thinking of in the moment but uh uh, one band you just said in the moment in this moment oh in this moment yeah that's it like it came to mind i remember doing a long research for an article and that like that was the that's the band that got signed because of their myspace followers that's funny you said that. This was not pre. We didn't talk about this before. That's why I don't. In this I, moment, got yep. signed because of the MySpace. Yeah, we we thought about in this moment, in the moment. Right. What a moment, Kodak moment. Yeah, sponsor that, me. That's bitch. the only. Yeah, that's the only <laughs> band I like. I just thought about that. I was like, wait, that was a MySpace metal band. Yeah. Yeah. No, there was. I mean, there were definitely bands that came out of that era, that, and a lot of them were very successful. Probably Devil Wars Prada too, for all. Sure, I'm, sure. I mean, Devil Wars Prada was definitely from that scene, but they they were a band that um, they grew into their own. You yeah. know, they're still not trying to make the music that they were making when they were fucking seventeen. No, they did. They grew up, I think. And two of the band members, by the way, are from Pittsburgh. Absolutely, that's right. Yeah, cool. And uh, it's funny how all of that. Works out. So you missed the MySpace days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say we miss the MySpace days. <laughs> well, right. you, you bypassed. Yeah. yeah, we did MySpace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, now it is 2022. Yeah, going into 2023, and one of the things about being a band these days, for the most part, you got to interact on social media to some degree, and uh, I think both of you are relatively extroverted people in your own ways. I don't really consider either of you like super duper introverts, but I also don't see you being the type of people that are very extroverted in terms of like promoting my art online type of people. How do you feel about this? It has to be done. Yes. Whether you want to or not. So I've learned to adapt. He's better at it than I am. (laughs) I got to say that he's actually really good at it. Someone already, few people have already told me that, like, you guys are good at plugging your stuff online. Okay. Good. Like, well, that's... I want everybody to know our name. Yeah. Everyone. I think that it's not that bad as long as, like, you have something that you're genuinely trying to promote and you're promoting it in a way that's not gross. I was thinking earlier about the phrase... I was actually talking earlier about this with uh, my friend Joe, who was on the podcast. That episode's probably already aired at this point. But uh, we were talking about how gross the term target demographic is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's like... If you're, like, targeting something, it's not, like... It's so easy to be ungenuine. Like, that idea of a target. Like, pew, pew. Yeah, right. Buy my art. That Mm -hmm. seems so gross. But obviously... If you are a band or an artist or a writer, somebody with a book. Two books. Two, <laughs> two, two books. books. Go fuck yourself. Two books. <laughs> my, my new book just came my out last month. killing yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you're somebody that's doing stuff, you obviously want to find the audience for it, right? Yeah. So like finding that, finding which, your, your yeah. finding those people, it can be hard to do. Uh, yeah, uh, which is a writer. It's, it's, it's easier to find a target audience with a book. 
than it is with a with a band because and you know metal the term metal itself is a pretty encompassing term pretty wide like it's a huge umbrella so you i just tell people we're like we have a heavy metal band here and you don't know what what kind of reactions you get from it but you just don't know what someone defines heavy metal as anyway so sure i think it's much easier now especially with like the brave new world that we walked into this time around with streaming services no one loses anything by clicking play on a song. You don't even need a streaming service account to hear a song now because you just go on YouTube and it's just a brave new world for us. Someone could just go click and listen to one song and it helps you, but it helps them. And if, you know, they're hooked, they're hooked. It's it's kind of weird. <laughs> so like, I'm an introvert, but I'm an extrovert when it comes to promoting what I'm into. Sure. You know what I mean? So I just kind of bring myself out to push the message forward. I think that... There are, I think, maybe we relate in the sense that I find myself most of the time to be like a pretty introverted type of person, but mm-hmm. I'm gladly willing to put myself out for things that I care about and put myself in situations that I want to be in. Mm-hmm. But like, I have a really hard time bullshitting extroversion. Like, there's a lot of people that can be fake. Like, and I, I yeah. don't want to be around just to be around. Like, I only want to be around the stuff that I give a fuck about. Right. And if I don't give a fuck about it, Get it away from me. Yeah. If you're not passionate about it, why are you doing it? Yeah. Yeah. But Scott's definitely good at the Instagram, uh, Facebook stuff. Better than I am. Yeah. I'm trying to step away from social media <laughs> platforms, to be honest with you, but he's better at it. Yeah. You know, what have you found? I'm like, determined is what it is. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm determined. It's just, yeah, it's just a, it's a whole new thing. And again, you don't even know who that reaches anymore. Mm-mm. Yeah. But it's, somebody will see it. Yeah. More people see what you put online than people will ever interact with it. And that's like the thing right. that always like blows my mind. Like there will be somebody that comes up to me at a show or at a bar or something like, oh, hey, I listened to that podcast that you did with so-and-so. And like I'm not like super duper vain, but I keep an, I like keep an eye on people that interact with me on social media. I see the people that like the posts all the time and stuff like that. And it's just like. I never seen you like any of my posts or share anything and all this stuff, which you don't have to, but it's cool that like you listened to it and you engaged with it. And there's no way mm-hmm. that I would ever have known that they did that unless they told me. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, so it's real easy to be like, oh, this, I promoted this podcast and like it only got 17 likes. Yeah. That doesn't mean that only 17 people listened with it listen to it and that doesn't mean that like no i mean granted it's still like if i could talk for an hour with somebody and somebody wants to listen to it you know that 17 people doing that's kind of crazy to be <laughs> yeah. honest with you <laughs> to be honest it's just right. like but it's yeah you your reach is always way more vast than you'll ever know and right. i just try to remind myself that and not my, mm-hmm. let myself get like um disheartened or um, you know, bummed out because of like low interaction or anything like that, you know? Yeah, you just, yeah. Now, now, yeah, it's, you just put it out now and see what happens. Our drummers keep telling us, Google our name, put our name into Google, and when you see what comes up, I'm like, all right, that's cool. You know? <laughs> yeah, he's also kind of excited about the whole new Brave New World thing that we're, we're walking into now, you know? Yeah, when we started this, we didn't plan on anything other than getting together and playing because we need to. Because we have to. You know what I mean? It wasn't, there was nothing else other than I need to freaking play some goddamn music. It's going crazy. This is our opportunity. Let's yeah. do it. 
Plus, let's do it. Let's just go. We we had some unfinished business. Mm-hmm. We kind of ended on a sour note. I mean, we got over that stuff now, but that was 2003. We were 1999, 2003, and we were just getting started. Like it took us four years to kind of finally fit into something, fit into a groove, I guess. Yeah. And we had written a whole nother second record. We recorded our album, the first album in like the autumn, like August, September of 2002. But we didn't put it until until January of 2003. But by that time, we had recorded the whole um, first album. We already had two songs written for the next album. Right. And like within a month after we recorded that album, we had written another eight or something. Mm -hmm. And we had only... Um, you know, there was no phone. There was no cell phones to be able to record things. We had to use one of those, like, um, um, I guess, boom boxes. Okay. Oh, yeah. It was legit tape deck. Yeah. Put it in the yeah. corner of the room. We found a spot that worked. <laughs> yes. And we just, like, well, let's just play the songs that we have front to back. And it filled up, like, okay, well, I think we have to flip the tape. It's like, we have, like, 45 minutes of music. It's, like, nine songs here. And they were incredible. We don't have that tape anymore. I wish we did. Hmm. But... I, I still, when we left the band, like it was still very sour for me personally because I'm a creative person and I hate mm-hmm. not, like mm-hmm. it was just like, I didn't have a way, what happened to that music? And it just felt bad that we didn't have it. And I still, I we lost I, our outlet. Yeah. I clung on to that for all those years. I was so upset about it that I just stopped playing music entirely. Um, I just, I said, well, I'm just going to go back to, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to go take on a whole nother life. I sold every piece of musical equipment I had. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. so intense. I, I, left, <laughs> yeah, I know I left it entirely. <laughs> I, I, there were, there are a lot of people who know me who had no idea that I once played in a heavy metal band. Mm-hmm. I had big, long dreadlocks like him mm-hmm. and I was playing guitar in this band and I was writing songs and we were having a blast with it, but it was so, so bad. So whenever... Our drummer, Chip, had never, like, stopped kind of pressing us about, we should, we should try this Doing sometime. something. And this was not, like, within the last year or two. It was, like, the whole time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Every eight yeah. months or something. Get, would, yeah. Text message. You know, we all kept in touch, right? Yeah, yeah. But he was just like, 100%. come on, I want to, let's try this again. Let's do this again. Life catches up. He, yeah. You know? and it just didn't happen. He got us together for a few reunion shows and. 0809. 0809. We played a few shows at the 31st Street Pub. Uh, we played two Saturday nights in a row, and it, we, we filled that place. We packed it. It's just that people still really remembered our music. And then we played in Buffalo, mm-hmm. his hometown. I had a good crowd there. And we played with a band uh, in Natrona Heights at a pizza shop. They were called Architect from Syracuse, New York. They were on Metal Blade. And they were touring through. And Chip really loved that band. We were all just here, and we all had, like, we still knew how to play the songs. So we, like... Sort of. We basically showed up for one show, <laughs> uh-huh. mm-hmm. and then we all went back to our separate way. But back you know, to back, back to, to our homes, back to real life, back to our motherships. Yeah. And at the yeah. time, you know, I was living in South yeah. Florida, so like, yeah, um, that was it. But I was still kind of bitter about. it. I had to borrow guitars and stuff for that show. <laughs> I was just gonna ask, like, yeah. what, mm-hmm. what, where'd the gear come from? I borrowed, I borrowed everything. <laughs> I borrowed a rig. I borrowed an amp and um, guitar. I mean, it was the, our bass player is also a guitar player in other bands, so I just borrowed his stuff. But it was that was it. Like, I so I couldn't. I wasn't even like playing these songs at home. I wasn't playing. Yeah, we were all just done. I was legit done. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. um, he had to relearn how to scream last year. Mm -hmm. And I had to relearn how to play. And I mm -hmm. was like, how do I begin? And that, I, that's what I'm saying. It's like a rebirth. It was, know? yeah. And instead of relearning how to play the instrument, I just decided to learn how to play songs. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I just started to write new songs. Instead of just, you know, a few, two weeks into this, like, oh, I kind of remember this now. And we didn't even bother to relearn any of the songs off the first record. We just, all right, well, I, I sat on the sofa and this came out. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I showed up. Uh, Chip and I had meddled around once. It was rusty. I was like, oh, it was terrible. And then uh, <laughs> I, I was borrowing an amp from his. Chip was in another band, and I was borrowing his guitar player's uh, amp. And then I had a guitar. And then we showed up second time. All we did was play two old songs that I remembered how to play. Uh, and then the third practice, I said, well, I I don't even know how to play any songs off the first record. And then um, I just I played on the sofa. I came home for band practice when I played on her sofa. My And I was like, well... I wrote this, see if this works. And it was the song it saw. The first song on the album is called My Scars Are Showing Again. I was like, all right, we got, we did it. That's what we did that practice. And like, we got excited. It was just Chip <laughs> and I, he wasn't there mm -hmm. um, for the, for the first few months just to kind of. Yeah, COVID was still going hard. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'll wait. Yeah. He, he sat it out too. You got we did, we did a Zoom though. I did like the phone thing. Like I was there watching him practice. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew what, like kind of what was going and on. And you came in and we had. That, you know, it was that, and then the next mm -hmm. week we started another one, and then we started another one, and then we just—that was it. We just kept going, and then we relearned a few songs. I mean, now we could play four songs off the. Just so we had something to jam on. Right play now, we play ones. three songs off the first record now, but now we have like you know the songs off the new album, and now we're writing a whole another album. So we're just we're just going now mm -hmm. this time. Mm -hmm. uh, Rain's it's, rolling. It's unfinished business, and we thought we stood out in the scene back then. I got mad when I heard. I didn't get mad. I like these bands like Ojira, uh, Mastodon, Thou. I mean, those were those were bands we didn't know of. You know, they, they didn't even exist. But they 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 did exist. They did exist. We just didn't know them. Yeah. Um, whenever um, like we stopped playing, I first heard Mastodon's first album, Remission. I was kind of mad. I was like, damn, that's what Negative Thirteen could have sounded like. And I heard Thou. And I said, that's what negative 13 would have sounded like. When I heard Gojira, I said, that guy's taking my wrists, man. <laughs> I said, those are my wrists. I, I, those, are, those are like, those are the wrists that we were writing for the next album. Like, yeah. I know that riff. Like, those are mine. I'm not saying he stole them, but I just said, that's. But you, you saw um, the, you're coming from a band where in Pittsburgh at the time when you were playing, there wasn't really a home for that band to like just a few years later. There's bands on a national scale, right. like the 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 genre kind of caught and, up. And I'm glad that bands like Mastodon and Gojira have like kind of broken and they've crested and they're they're legit. You know, they they are the mainstream of metal now because it those bands pull in so many different types of fans. And I said, well, when I hear that, like, well, that's good. That means there's a home for us somewhere. We don't sound anything like that. Probably more owed to the influences of those bands than anything else, but. The fact that those bands, like Gojira writes a lot of songs that I think are linear, and Mastodon writes the songs that are out of the box. Well, there's two of our categories, right? There's two things that we do right there. Yeah. I said, well, there's us. When I heard Thou, and Thou is kind of like a really big band from, from you know, the, the Louisiana playing into the, you know, one of our heroes, I Hate God. Like, they, they took that, you know, as an influence. Like, well, that was us. Mm -hmm. Let's, 
when we started our band, we said, we're going to do I Hate God and Vision of Disorder were two bands that we were like gelling on. Like, well, you know, and I think we kind of just, we said, well, we could be influenced by these bands, but I'm a big Helmet fan. I'm a big fan of, big fan of bands like Jawbox, of Dinosaur Jr., of Failure, not really metal bands, but they're rock bands. But I, I still have like that big post-punk thing in, that I grew up with. And Chip is still his favorite band, is sick of it all. But you'd never know that just from hearing our band. You know, Scott right. has a pretty eclectic taste. With Scott, like, mm-hmm. you know, Melvin's I Hate God, you know, but we all, you know, it just, it just fits everything. We just didn't want to, we just wanted to play heavy metal. Totally. And um, at the time, you had to be a hardcore band. You had to be a groove metal band. And none of us in the band really feel that we could write an album of 10 songs that sound just like, like if the first song on the album you hear is My Scars Are Showing Again, our new album, you're not going to hear the rest of the album of songs sound like that. The next song's punk. Then the song after that owes more like a little bit of crowbar, but then but it has that like the quote unquote deftones part. But with a converge style breakdown, mm-hmm. so people are like, oh, that sounds like a little converge influence. I'm like, well, yeah, that's one of my favorites right there. But, um, you know, then there's a piano interlude. Yeah, it's just like we're just going from one genre to the next. But, and the reviews so far have been able to pick that up. Like, yeah, we're not, we don't want to be in a box. We just want to play heavy metal. It sucks. It's songs that we would want to hear. You know? Yeah. The thing I like about us is each individual brings a different style to the table. Yeah. But we all meet in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it all works. Yeah. But it gives it gives us that different, you know, a different outlook. Yeah, because our drummer came from the hardcore scene. Scott was more like in a the like the riff oriented groove metal thing. I was in a, like all of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then our, our current bass player now, uh, you know, we 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 have that's the only thing that's different for us. So we have a new bass player that we didn't have back then. Mary is well known for being in doom metal bands. But she has a huge swath of music that she really enjoys. She really enjoys like progressive rock. She's a huge Rush fan. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that that's an element that could be in our band a little bit because it's, it's a way of all four of us kind of pushing each other. It's like, yeah, what you're doing is cool, but it's just we could do it better. Yeah. Let's try to do it better. Yeah, no, I think that yeah. it's really important as um, songwriters to be able to pull influence from – more things outside of your genre than inside your genre, honestly, because if you start pulling from inside your genre too much, then you're getting really close to like, well, is this going to just sound like another Gojira song or not? Right. Like when I think about like pulling influence from people, it's like, oh, like the dynamic intensity of a Bjork song is really cool. Yes. Like how can't we, how can we work that into something that's heavier? Right. Or like, you know, I really like the progression, like, the way that like a uh, like a modern pop song structure that really leans on things being catchy that get stuck in your head. It's like why can't we have a riff in a song that has that same sort of like earworm riff? You know, it could be fast, it could be chaotic, but I still want it to be catchy. I want people to fucking the hook. not be able to forget about this song. You dude. shouldn't be afraid to embrace those. I told you I'm, before I'm a big fan of the Edge from U2, and I really like U2's music, and I I think I brought some of it out on the new record. I'm not afraid to do that anymore. You used to, you used to, I used to have to, like in the 90s and the early 2000s, I was writing songs the way I thought, what would a crowd want to hear? I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. I'm just, what do I want to hear? What do I think the rest of the band, my audience is, is Scott, it's Chip, and it's Mary. That's the audience. Like, what do I think we, you know, can, can we jive on? And I'm surprised when I bring in riffs 
that they're like, oh, I like that. Like the song on her album, Pain Prism, there's that melodic like breakdown in the song. I was really shocked when Chip said that's his favorite part. Hmm. You know, uh, one of the songs on the album, Villain, people were like, wow, that's slow. But whenever I recorded the solo for that, they're like, oh, we love that part. I'm like, that's so, that's so me ripping off the edge. You know, <laughs> you know? I, I don't think I'm not ripping off a U2 solo, but I really like, I've always liked the solo from New Year's Day. And I just, it's so simple and just to the point with the delay pedal. I was like, I want to, so I want a solo like that. And that was, that's kind of what I did yeah. with that song. And I'm a big fan of Fleetwood Mac too. And that's like, I'm not afraid to say that in Depeche Mode and The Cure and New Order. Those are some artists my sister got me into. And I think those are some songs that like, I wish I could write a song like Robert Smith. And I guess I could. It would just be much heavier now, you know. But <laughs> yeah. I, I like the way he plays with with with. He just he has these really haunting like melodies, and I love the way that that can kind of permeate through what he they call like a pop song. Like, well, right. yeah, you can do things like that. You can bend the rules in music as much as you want. We don't have rules. No, we don't. We yeah. have no rules. So you it's know. complete anarchy. Yeah, but Basically. I like that. And yeah, yeah, we have a new song. It's a ninety-second song, grind punk song. <laughs> yeah. that's that's yeah. it's 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 gonna yeah. be on the next record but yeah, yeah. So, you know yeah. i think that at this point i mean I, this has probably always been true but the more time passes and the more music that enters the world there's thousands of songs being released into the world every day if not more than that who knows mm -hmm. it's intense yeah i find that if you're not like contributing something that is genuine and something that is unique to the conversation of music What's the point of mm -hmm. doing another version of something that already exists? Mm -hmm. It already exists. Yep. I don't need it. Yeah. I really don't. And that's like a big part of the reason, unfortunately, why there's like not a whole lot of newer metal that I like latch onto in the way that I did when I was a teenager. There's plenty of great bands, but like it's just very much like, oh, like I can recognize that this is great, but it just reminds me of too much of something that I already love. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's not good. I'm sure if I saw this band live, I would fucking love it. But yeah. like, if I'm going to just like sit around and listen to something, I'm going to listen to the record that I grew up loving mm -hmm. for the most part. And that's just how I, I don't know. That's just how my brain works. But every once in a while, there's something crazy unique that comes around. And I'm just like, holy shit, I've never heard anything like this. Right. And I still think there's so much potential for music to grow. There's always bands that are coming out that blow my mind. But I, yeah, no, a lot of it is just very much just like, rinse wash repeat at the same time and i think bands musicians got to be careful that sometimes they think they're going to try to reinvent the wheel and you shouldn't i mean if you when you do it i don't think you know you're doing it like i don't think gojira knew they were tapping into something that was just a little different from what was happening in metal at the time or mastodon like converge did it with hardcore and dillinger did it too i don't think they knew that they just they did what they wanted to do. Yeah. I think like, every musician should do that. It's like mm -hmm. you don't realize it's happening until every other band coming out starts to sound like you. Yeah. Or bands that have been around longer than you are starting to write songs that sound like I, your songs. And I think it's... <laughs> and happened, you're like, wait, it, what? <laughs> that happened with all those bands. It happened with... You and I are big Glassjaw fans. It happened when Glassjaw broke. Yeah. It happened with the Deftones, especially... Uh, you know, the Deftones came out and every band wanted to be like Deftones. When I, when I Round the Fur came out, a, a lot of bands in Pittsburgh, you know, at the time, like, oh gosh, we can't play with any of these bands. They all want to be, they all want to be in the, like, they all want to be in the <laughs> Deftones. And then um, they put out White Pony. And I remember like people were confused, like what's happening here? I'm like, no, this is, a, this is, this is just brilliance. Yeah. 
This is yep. an act of brilliance. And most bands couldn't sound like it. But I heard it and I knew exactly who they were playing off of. And they released their covers album. And I loved it because it was, there was Helmet and there was Jawbox in there. But there was Duran Duran, there was Susie and the Banshees. Like they're just playing right into their influences on this album. And those kids didn't grow up with that stuff, you know? So I, you, yeah, that was it. That's, that was always a problem I, I noticed before. Like you should just, you should just play what you want. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, I know. I yeah. I just don't. I really don't understand the point of creativity unless it is something that you want to do. I mean, if you're a band that's a real band that's signed and is contractually obligated to yeah. make successful music, then I'm sure your creativity gets a little bit jeopardized in that position. And with songwriting, <laughs> there's truly really no rules, and not no, even in the heavy isn't. metal genre. You know, there's like, I think Kendrick Lamar's doing that in rap, I would say. I mean, he's got some songs that are just like, what's going on here musically? Totally. And they're crazy. Like, it's just great. Jazz musicians have always done this. And sometimes you even have pop musicians. Like, Kate Bush is an artist right now that's really relevant because of, uh, again, because of the, uh, the Stranger Things thing, you know? And she... She has a hit, and she, and now people are discovering her. But listen to her records. They're just all over the place. She wrote music that she wanted to hear. Music that she, you know, it's just, you know, you don't have to conform to one specific thing. I love that. Even as a metal band, that's the approach we want to have. Big yeah. time. Yep. And our band practices are kind of fun that way. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. Probably be more diverse on the next record too. Like we're going to places we haven't been to yet musically. Yeah, no, I think that there is a um, a very healthy and necessary selfish need to explore as a creator. Yes, that all artists should not be afraid to engage with. Because if you're not, you're. I don't think you're really creating. You're just copying and pasting. Sure, you're either emulating somebody else, or even worse, you're just emulating yourself. Yeah. Like you're just doing the same thing you've already done over and over again. Yeah. And I don't, yeah, I'm a big fan of, you know, literature too. You could tell that when you see, you know, you see the embarrassing beginning, the first book, but your writing gets better over time. But you change over time too. Writers change over time because they change personally. You should be changing too. Musically, it should be very much reflecting who you are at the time. That's what our first album is. It's a stamp anyway. That's it's like, well, this is yeah. who we were when we were in our in our twenties. Now we're all in our forties. That's what I kind of have like this weird uh I have like strange feelings about some bands. Like uh, a good one would be like Blink 182. I'm just like I just genuinely don't think they still want to make music like this. They're just doing it. To you know what I mean? Like it's just Dash happening. And it just doesn't feel genuine to me mm -hmm. now i'm not i've never been a huge blink 182 fan to begin with so maybe i'm coming from a place of yeah. you know genuine negativity but i just don't feel like that's like why does this exist and I because think, it sells yeah. and i think they have the talent to go like take their sound a bit deeper sure I mean, but i mean really if they did they'd probably musicians. get hung out to dry there's like a lot of those bands like a like a, my chemical romance whenever yeah. they they want whenever they put out a record that was whatever they wanted to do everybody hated it you know uh, now, now they're back so I'm just, they are back and they're probably just going to be playing the same stuff that everybody loved and i hope they do I, yeah but i mean i think it's it's weird because also there's plenty of people that never got to see them play and i want people to be able to see that band play if they want to see them play and i, hope and they, I want them yeah. to make money and i want them to have fun but it's just so funny how like 
a band gets popular off of like one set sound, how many artists are allowed to actually grow? Like right. for the most part, like people like forgave Deftones with White Pony. That was such a left turn, but it wasn't Great bad for them. Turn. It wasn't bad but for it them. Changed it, worked, sound. it changed their sound, but it yeah. worked out for them. Yeah. How many bands does that really work out for? They can like really change their sound and people are like, okay, cool. A right. lot of the time, let me like, fuck. Remember when Metallica tried to do it? Yeah. Well, that was Black Album for them, right? <laughs> I mean, like, well, I mean, I, I think like Black Album and then even more dramatically, like the, you know, the haircut era. Um, well, you and I are big, you and I are big Darkest Hour fans. They have an album like that. They're self-titled. It's, yeah. it's a polarizing album, but it's, it's brilliant. I think it's an act of brilliance. And I think it's, it's the record I listen to the most. I, I think if you, you know, you, you should take a leap forward sometimes. I know Machine Head did it. And it's it's still like a little, eh. but I I saw some great jams on that record too. But like you talking about my chemical romance, I hope they don't sound like they did before. Yeah. I hope to hear like a well, this is who we are now. When you're creative, this is that's exactly what you can do as a person. You can reflect on who you are and your experiences yeah. and come out through a different form of art. Under Oath was pretty good about being yeah. unforgiving with just like this is what we are now. And they, yeah. they, 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 I mean, they tanked their fucking career over it. They genuinely did. I think it's worked out, you know, and then they broke up for a while and then they came back and they weren't trying to do that. Like screamo stuff. They were just still well, the same band. I saw under oath with Zayo at club Laga and they, they were a different band that they ended up oh, getting totally. yeah, well yeah, yeah. known for. And they had a different vocalist. I think it's the guy who started Maylene and the sons of disasters, but he, they were like that tech yeah, the core metal thing that happened, you know, yeah, it was all over the place. And then they they got Spencer Chamberlain, and, and it was a little different than that. But they that to me was their leap was the new vocalist, and they changed their sound musically. Uh, yeah, I, I think I mean, they already took that step. But but to be that. fair, that album that they put out, you're talking about their only chase safety. safety. Yeah, that was a blueprint for that genre. Yeah, that that was. changed the game as far as like any of that like what we'll call like that was like. I mean, that came out like 2003 or four, maybe, or maybe it was a little bit later than that. It was some, it was pretty, it, it was around then. It was, it was like then. right at the start of like the MySpace. Yeah, it was, it yeah. was actually. And, um, yeah, it was recorded it, in Orlando by, yeah. Um, anyway, but, um, the album before that, I, if people were listening to this, who like listen to that record before, that's the only on the CD I have. It's so different. You would yeah. never hear that. You would never put that CD in and say, that's under oath. Yeah, but it is like you know they had a huge shift in their sound when with the new vocalist, big time. They weren't playing with clean vocals that much then, you know. It was just yeah. a different thing for them. But but it's interesting, like how over the years they've like not to the degree of what they were doing, but they did reintroduce more chaotic song structures and song elements back into their music and I think they found a really interesting way to blend it and become something that was like really unique I yeah. saw them live when they were here just this past year and they're a really really great live band oh yeah and, um, yeah okay yeah, yeah yeah I haven't seen them with that lineup at all yeah I mean it I was good once at Club Laga I mean they they were good you know and I think that they found a way to do it but obviously they're not anywhere near as big as they would have been if they would have stuck with the sound you know, so I think that's like a really interesting commitment to make as a band. If you know that like your genuine art, because if you know your genuine artistic direction is going to like be bad for your career, but you need to do it as an artist versus some bands that maybe decide to shift their creativity 
in like lieu of like, we know this will help get us more fans. Do you get what I'm saying? Right. I got you. You know what I mean? I feel like, I don't know if it was a genuine like middle finger to under Oath's fan base when they put out like some of the records that they did, but they were like for the time they put out and for the fan base that they had pretty musically challenging records, I yeah. would say. Um, and it's interesting that they did it. It's cool. It just, it was very obvious to me. It's like, they're just genuine artists that are growing up because with time, you know, you want to do different things. And yeah. It's just like, you can't expect this band to want to do this. Same. You're not going to be the same person. Whatever. Unless you're Blink-182 yeah. and you're, you know, in your 50s and still doing those songs. Whatever we were angry about <laughs> back then isn't, yeah. It's weird to me, dude. It's just so weird. Uh, yeah. And songs about dicks and... Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. I just, I don't get it. But <laughs> it, it, like you said, it works for them. Totally, That's, obviously. I'm, and I'm reticent about, <laughs> I'm really reticent about that Limp Biscuit reunion because... I have no idea what the heck Limp Bizkit did back then. <laughs> and that was another one of those bands back then when we were playing. It's like, do you guys sound like Limp Bizkit or Corn? No. Well, okay, but we do. <laughs> you guys want to play with us? We're like, well, sure, but wow. That was a big band back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Man, they, look how different the metal scene is, though. Yeah, they did blow up. They <laughs> did blow up, but they had uh, attitude and charisma for days. They were like... <laughs> Um, Limp Biscuit worked just because they were so fucking MTV. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, they just yeah. they had the videos and the personality for it, and the songs were bouncy, and you know it just it worked. They were it the, was lightning were in a bottle, perfect for the MTV generation. Yeah, they were the Yo MTV Raps Headbangers Ball crossover, and it worked right for suburban America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect for suburban America. Yeah, they were. The band for that era. For yeah, I mean, you could play those songs um, like in malls. You could play those songs at skate parks. You could play mm-hmm. those songs at sports games. But soccer moms listen to Limp Bizkit. Sure. It was it was very universally just like uh, palatable. Yeah, you you were you were there. I mean, yeah, you, I loved Limp Bizkit when I was a kid. You were. Yeah. See, we were already. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was a fan. I'm not going to lie. I mean, they had I did. Good songs. I did get them to sign my first, <laughs> uh, their first CD. I mean, every $3. song is not great. Yeah. But I do a have a three dollar bill, y'all, and I got it signed by the band. <laughs> I still have that, by the way. Yeah. But I still. Yeah. Yeah. I just where they went from that album was like, whoa. I don't think I like, I can't jive with this anymore. Sure, sure, sure. It like leaned real, I mean, it just leaned real MTV. That's just really That's it. Just what like it was. Born with issues. I mean, life is peachy and self-titled hold a special spot in my heart. Yeah. And I can't take away from them. And I've listened to the records since then. Like, hmm. I think the last two records they put out are phenomenal. Yeah. So I listened to the last one. I agree with you. It's pretty good. It's, like, it's really fucking from? good. It's yeah. really good. And it's like wild that it's like, and but they were a shift band. They were one of those bands. As soon as they came out and they broke, it was. I saw them at uh, with <laughs> Metropole, and Limp Biscuit was the opener, by the way. And Limp Biscuit wasn't even signed then. Limp Biscuit played first in a rap group called Delinquent Habits. Mm-hmm. Played mm-hmm. second, and then Corn Headline. It was 1995 in October, and Life Is Peachy had just come out. So, come. What, two years, three years later, they put out uh, the album. Was Follow the Leader. Freak on a Leash, yeah. yeah. It's a Todd McFarlane cover. That's when every single guy I knew that played guitar wanted to go buy a seven-string now. 
And then they wanted to like, and every guy in every freaking band we played with, they were sporting the Adidas <laughs> pants, the Adidas shoes. Yeah. Dudes were trying to grow their hair long and dreadlock. Hey, guys hey. wanted to sound <laughs> like Jonathan Davis. All the like nose rings came out in the scene. Like, yeah. what do you guys do? So, you, you guys know, were, we were jamming on Metallica records. Last yeah, month. it's so wild. So it's like, I mean, I, um, I was a corn fan when the first album came out because there was this kid that lived above my, the apartment, my dad lived in this apartment and there was a kid that lived above him that like rode a skateboard around. So I thought he was the coolest fucking kid in the world. Right. He was maybe like 16 or 17. I was like fucking like, you know, eight or nine. Right. Mm -hmm. So that would have been 94. So I was nine. Um, and, uh, I remember he he knew that I liked heavy music and stuff like that. So he's like he let me borrow a copy of the first corn CD and it like fucking blew my mind. I never heard anything like that. It was right. so unique. Right. So much attitude. Unless you listen to and Faith anger no yeah. and stuff like Let's that. Unless you have angel well, I mean, dust. I I mean I I did listen to that stuff, but even still like it's so much more intense. It is. As an adult, I can definitely see the parallels. But as yeah. a kid, mm -hmm. that's a thing. It's like also like my dad listened to Faith No More. My <laughs> dad didn't listen to Corn. Corn right. was like the first band I was like, oh, this is like my thing. Like my right. dad, my dad had Cannibal Corpse cassette tapes. But yeah. I'm just like, wow. you know, I'm just like, okay. you know, my dad's a metalhead. But like Corn was like my thing. And I remember my dad being like, I don't get it. Like at the time, you know, but I was like, oh, it's my thing. Just yeah. that like, mm -hmm. but anyways, what I was going to say, just kind of like looping back around to follow the leader. So I was there through Life is Peachy. I had a corn shirt on in school. I remember getting made fun of for my corn shirt because yeah. nobody knew what it was. And then follow the leader comes out and all of a sudden every fucking kid that I know knows corn now because got the lice on TRL. Yeah, right. And it was the first <laughs> time in my life. Not only was corn the first band, I was like, this is my band. Corn was the first time in my life where I was like, why is everybody like my band now? Right. What happened? You know, <laughs> like it was such a strange sensation. For that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's true. With Faith No More, Angel Dust, right? You talk about that, mm -hmm. right? It's one of my favorite records still. Mm -hmm. Helmet, anything Helmet's ever put out. But Betty, in meantime, listen to those records. You, you got corn wrist right there. Oh, totally. That's and it. And Biohazard definitely played a part in all that. And oh. Those guys were downplaying all that stuff, but bull crap. The other thing that was really interesting, too, about corn was i also remember around the time that follow the leader came out like going to like record stores and yeah. looking at magazines like seeing fucking uh head and monkey on the cover of like a guitar world and being like whoa this is weird because like i was so used to just always seeing like Jimi hendrix yeah. or like you know like whoever you know uh fucking hetfield and hammett or mm -hmm. like you know it's on those bad. magazines yeah it was like dope. these are like i was like what Mm -hmm. It was like, are they, it was like, you know, redefining the sound of guitar or something like that. Like, what? I know. This I'm, is so strange. Yeah, and I'll give them that. They did. And yeah, they totally did. But it was they like did. so wild to see all of that happen in such a quick amount of time. You know what I mean? Because it was like, again, that was the first time I saw a band that like nobody knew about. And it just blew up and so I, quick to like uh, an astronomical level. And they, mm -hmm. it was a, such a meteoric rise. And I'll give them a lot of credit. They stayed there. Oh, yeah. They're still, I mean, that's the mm -hmm. thing. That that album, the first Korn album came out almost 30 years ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> almost 30 years no. ago. Okay. You know, yeah. so, uh, you know. Uh, and and, they, they, and they are still, you know, they still arenas, play like man. arenas and, you know, still like out at Burgettstown and all that stuff. And people come out. They still release new music, yeah. They still release new music. They yeah. really, they, they, they sound better than they ever have. I give, I did see a Korn show, uh. Oh, it was I think their second so they 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 had like a second self-titled record. 
Oh, remember yeah, yeah, who yeah, you yeah. are or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I saw them at Mayhem Festival, and that was the album they were promoting. <clears throat> and I was just blown away. It's like, well, I'm going to stay for Corn. I just want to see some of it, like half of it. Like, it's, let me see two, two songs or something just to see him again. I just stayed for the whole show because I just like, well, one more song, one more. They just kept going, you know, blown away because none of the songs they played were off the first two records. And they only played Freak on a Leash like toward the end of their set. Everything was still like, this is what we've done over the last few albums. And here's what we're doing off the new album. The crowd was just intense. Yeah. Good for them. I saw them this past summer and I couldn't fucking believe how good they were. Great. I mean, no, it's it good was for amazing. Them. This was, was, I was, so I, 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 I was take a shot. flabbergasted <laughs> with an Fla album, yeah. just flabbergasted with a drummer from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was such a weird era talking about mm -hmm. this now. I'm like, I'm getting all these flashbacks. It's like when we were, <laughs> when negative was out there trying to get gigs and to try to play with bands and that's what every band wanted to be corner of the Deftones. And it was so goddamn frustrating. We're like, no, we, we like this. Like you guys don't it's like, even Black Sabbath, you guys rep some Sabbath? Like, nothing. Like, no one. It's like, just corn and Deftones. And the Limp Bizkit. Like, there was a band in Pittsburgh. I'm not going to name these bands, but they were clones of, like, this is what they wanted to do. Like, jeez, man. When are we going to play with some... That's why we. That's why we played with the hardcore scene, man. I'm thinking about yeah. all these bands. Yeah. <laughs> Stare at yeah. your shoes metal is what my friend called it. Like, let's look down and just... Playing these, like detune riffs with like two fingers like all you need is two fingers to, to be able to play these riffs like come on man i was <laughs> and there we were right <laughs> very aggressive and people thought you were like with the dreadlocks like you look like you were like into that that was the that was the that was the era mm. but your dreadlocks predated mm -hmm. the, the corn rise we we would show up to shows and chip our drummer had dreadlocks too at the time and they thought they knew what they were going to see when they saw us like, well, what's going on here? What are you guys playing? Like, it's just different. This is like something called doom metal. Yeah. But it wasn't like, we didn't have a name for it then. You know, we were, I was bending strings and playing really slow music. And we're just like, well, we... Angry. Yeah, angry and shit. Yeah. Get some anger issues like, that's not what <laughs> corn sounds like. Where's the bounce? Where's the... Stuff like it's not gonna hear it. This ain't California. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was. It was a bizarre time, man. I'm really glad the scene has changed now. But yeah, that was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> think about all these stories about corn and all these guys. Jeez, that's all everyone wanted to be. That's all. That's it. Everyone was just a clone. It's probably why the scene was kind of stagnant. Everyone wanted to be someone else. Well, I think that you know. Even though those bands at the time, like a Deftones and a Corn, um, they were like underground to some degree. You could there was a you could see the water boiling, right? So I think that a lot of people knew that that was going to be the next big thing. So a lot of people were trying to jump on to ride that to the also be a part of that yeah, thing. And mm -hmm. labels were scrambling, like when Nirvana broke, all the labels wanted to get another Nirvana. And, you know, every band wanted to get, they want, every band, that was it. You know, grunge, modern rock, they, they called it modern rock, kind of came to that. When Corn broke in the metal world, all the metal labels 
Like, do we have to do something like this? We have to get we have to get bands like that. There's so many bands like Forty even, Below Summer, Flaw, yeah. and because even that first Corn record was still like that. Came, that was like epic, right? Epic Legacy, Legacy, La- yeah, Immortal, yeah. Immortal, yeah. whatever. One of the, like, it was still like Sony. a subsidiary of a big, a big label. label. Yeah, and yeah. Incubus got signed to that label too. So mm-hmm. did a band, and then a band. See, then I was like in Immortal. There was a band from Sacramento called Far. That's what I was into. I still have that Far record, and that's that whole like. That's where that failure band that I really like. Yeah. Um, they, that's that whole like culture of like, it's heavy, but it's just really rock music. Like with some of these tinges of the replacements and post-punk and Fugazi, and, you know, that, that type of things kind of clashed into it. But yet you're bending the rules a little bit in the rock scene. And some of those rock bands got lumped in with the metal bands only because they were just playing with heavy I think, tones. I think to be fair... And I've never really thought about this, but like bands like, you know, Failure bending the rules in the rock scene. I think a band like Korn was just bending the rules in pop. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, they just took over MTV. You know, nobody asked for it, but it happened. I mean, they were just writing like really heavy yes. experimental pop music. Yeah, and then, to some degree. And then the other bands. With came. weird guitars and shit, you know? Yeah, and then the other bands came. Yeah. I don't know if Limp Biscuit. I mean, because Rage Against the Machine... Without corn, there's no Limp Bizkit, easily. Yeah, but Rage Against the Machine had broken, what, 92? Totally, totally. But that was like... Yeah. That was a, a much different Faith No thing. More and Biohazard, and there's yeah. a band called... I'm, I'm giving my age away here, but Mordred... Uh, someone right now listening oh, to this is going to say Mordred. Oh, Mordred. I haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> and that was the first time I ever saw a metal band with a DJ. Mm-hmm. It's like, so there were bands already kind of breaking those rules, but I mean, Faith No More had one song that was that rap metal kind of thing going on, Epic, which is still the yeah, hit, that, And it's the, you, the worst representation of right, their catalog. Right, because if you dig into their catalog, <laughs> I mean, they're one of my favorite bands, period. Totally. And if you dig into them, you'll just know, so, they like us, like they just do I, whatever they want. I can't tell you how many times, and you've probably dealt with this too, where you get into a conversation with somebody and you're like, oh yeah, kind of like Faith No More. And they're like, oh, the band that has that Epic song? And you're just like, ah, yeah. oh, fuck, you don't even know. You don't know. You have no idea what you're missing. Deep dive. Yeah. Right, and Mike Patton single-handedly is one of the greatest vocalists ever. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mm-hmm. can say he's, yeah, he's the guy. But that's, yeah. I don't even know where we were. I just lost that. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. It's a podcast. You go off the oh, rails. Yeah. That's how it about, works. Talking about how, like, but that's how music grows, right? Like, we heard it when I heard Corn, and I said, I'm, you know, I was a big Helmet fan. They're taking those riffs too. They're not taking them. They just, they were there. I mean, Helmet had those, like, head bobbing riffs. Yeah. Right, every song from Helmet, you just yeah. yeah, I mean, you can always backtrack to something. Like, you know, it's easy to be like, oh, I've never heard anything like this band or this band is so original. But you could always rewind time and you'll find what their influence is because mm-hmm. everybody has an influence. Yeah, and it's nothing wrong Nobody, with that. Yeah, no. It, You're going to have an influence. But yeah. yeah. It's interesting to see how music through time how it influences itself and how it cycles around and i think the real ones stick around yeah that's why everybody wanted to be corn corn is still here and none of those other bands are right mm. it's just agree. it speaks fucking volumes and the deftones are still here yeah and yes there's quite a few bands that have made it and you know you and i are big last jaw fans and look they're still here too yeah 
yeah. wish they were around a little bit more, but they yeah. they, in, they interact on, on their own accord, which right. is also respectable. I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah they, they 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 operate in their own entire ecosystem, yeah. which I mean you can't really blame them. They like, it was yeah. a terrible time to be a musician, I imagine. Yeah, but metal now is in a better place anyway. I think I think metal went back to being an underground genre, right where it should be. I you know I guess we don't have MTV anymore to be honest with you, so that may be part of it, but. Metal's back where it needs to be. The biggest heavy metal bands are still doing quite well for themselves, but there's no MTV shoving something else down your throat and trying to get a whole yeah, phone. Yeah, it's, I, I always wonder, like, it's you'll have people that say that they wish heavy metal was bigger or they wish, like, why is there no, like, representation be, on like the top it, 40? I like it small. Yeah, it's like, what... Be careful what you wish for, right? Yeah, I, don't, I don't need, like, a million freaking people who know nothing about... You know, what I mean, like heavy music. You know the, the basics. You don't know the. You don't know the bottom. I mean, it's a lot. You don't know the roots. And it's allowed like more different bands like to get uh, exposure. Like, there's not three or four bands hogging up all of it. There's, you know, there's a good fifteen bands that are probably more commercially that's, viable now. That's also, and they're leading me for people more into the metal underground. And that's probably why there is not like there's more diversity in the underground underground community, right? Because everybody isn't trying to be the next corn. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. There's a, I could, I could probably name a few dozen bands that are trying to be code orange. Sure. Good luck. But I think, <laughs> you know, and, I, and I'm a, I'm a fan of death metal. And yeah. I think that's probably why the death metal revival has happened. Cause there's not just a handful of bands sucking all the attention away that every kid is trying to clone like they're looking for more and they're digging mm -hmm. deeper. And that's, I think death metals had a little bit of a revival because of definitely that. it's been really interesting to see people more into like, yeah, like traditional death metal, old school death metal, whatever yeah. you want to call it. You and, know? and we got to say this, the best death metal label right now in the business is right here in Pittsburgh. A 20 bucks spin. <laughs> Hands down. <laughs> Hands down. And they, he's got the best bands right now, I think, in death metal or on his label. Um, and I love I love my two mold and I love my Althar. But yes, but that's I think that's part of the reason why some of these bands have kind of found a, a home in black metal, oddly enough, too, has some sort of viability now that it never had before, you know, maybe like Panopticon is, is up there. Just the deaf heaven found this weird niche that just elevated them to a whole nother level. And I love that band immensely. That's just, I don't think that would have ever happened before if we had something like MTV or telling us what we need to be liking. You know? Yeah. Cause I don't know if deaf heaven would have been an MTV band. I, I'm sure there's some cynics right now saying, yes, yes, they would have been. That's the kind of crap they would have played. Like, no, <laughs> they wouldn't have. Yeah. No, no, not at all. Not yeah. at all. You know, with the, I'm always excited for the future of music. I think that my, my disinterest in heavy music right now is more than likely temporary. I'm sure that my next favorite band is just waiting around the corner. My next new favorite band, I should say. It's negative 13. <laughs> That's it. Pew, pew, pew. Choo, choo, choo. <laughs> That's your next favorite band. Uh-huh. Yeah. One album. We, start, we just did <laughs> our debut album. Re-debut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll keep it going, though, man. We're, gonna, we're pushing ourselves, That's too. It. Right? We're just getting started. Yeah. Just getting started. Yeah, I love it. I love that there are so many positive voices and 
encouraging creativity in the music scene in general, but also just in like what I consider my home base, which would be, you know, metal, right. rock, guitar stuff. It's mm-hmm. my home base too. It's, it's really, really great to see. You know, the one thing that I didn't, um, I wanted to ask you, uh, Ed and Scott, and and I mean, I've known you for a long time now. I mean, we've known each other so long. Yeah. We all know. these years. No, Yo, way back, right? Yeah. But even though you weren't playing music for a time, you were always listening to music. Yeah. And like, so you always had your finger on the pulse of like what was changing and what was going on in the scene. I mean, you were writing about it in different mm-hmm. ways through various mediums and things like that. But uh, Scott, I don't know like what your interaction with music had been since you were performing till now. Were you still like keeping up with a lot of stuff or are you like no, really checked I, out? I thankfully, Eddie has filled me in because <laughs> I've missed like 15 years of music. So uh-huh. I'm now catching up slowly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got I got you into Thou. Mm-hmm. We're like, you gotta listen to Thou, man. Yeah, there's a huge gap. I got our like, drummer from... into Thou too, and now they're like, Yeah, Thou's the band. <laughs> yeah, that's what we could have sounded like. Yeah. Yeah. We would have kept going, right? We'd probably be like 10 albums into our career now. Yeah, he feeds me a lot of new stuff, which is cool. Yeah, I'm always there's so much out there. I'm always looking for new bands. That's mm-hmm. I don't I haven't stopped being a fan. When I wasn't mm-hmm. playing music, I just became a bigger fan mm-hmm. than I had ever been because I there was no stress I think attached to the scene for me anymore. Like to, attached to playing music or anything. It was just I can relax. I can go to shows for, for mm-hmm. just go for the sake of going to a gig and not having to try to promote my band or do any of those things. Back then we used to have to freaking pass out flyers for yeah. gigs. Telephone poles. Telephone poles and uh yeah, you'd have to go handbill outside the gig. Even mm-hmm. if you weren't going, well, so-and-so's playing in town tonight. Let's just go outside the venue and just as soon as people are leaving, pass them out. Yeah. We don't have to do that. I didn't have to do that for all those years. Now you don't even have to do it anymore, which is great. But, um, yeah, I just – I love metal. I love hard rock. I love guitar-driven music. I'm always digging for new stuff. And I've been all over the world for it now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know that. Um, it's just what I oh. do. Nope. I just, I just love, I love what heavy metal can can do for people and how heavy metal has been interpreted by people. And there's some crazy stuff going on out there, and the way that people can just take the sound of a heavy distorted guitar and completely manipulate it. You know, I think our Code Orange is doing something cool right now with their industrial kind of thing. But that's just um, a band like Vane, Chip and Iron, Vane. Vane FM. Yeah, they got like that whole like. EDM like hardcore thing going on like what 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 is this? <laughs> with the drum and bass beats going on underneath or yeah it's like I, that's what you can do with 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 metal in that regard yeah mm-hmm. so I don't know there's some bands like Misery Signals I think I remember them kind of being a game changer too in the hardcore scene they were they didn't I think that Misery Signals was a band that if you were into it you knew what was going on but on like a wide scale they did not get no, but they had nearly, their, yeah, and they yeah. had their niche, and that's what I think a lot of metal bands do now. Is you don't need that corn level of popularity to be relevant or to even maintain a career. You just yeah. need to find that niche and that fan base. Mm-hmm. And you can just tap into a whole career, and I would rather have that career anyway. If you tell me I could be in a band for thirty years and release freaking fifteen, sixteen albums and play in front of two thousand people a night for that whole time. I'll take it. I don't need that one crest of playing in front of 25,000 and then coming back down. So that's why I think, I think that's kind of what's helped the whole genre as a whole, like period, is that there could be relevancy now in music that there never was. Because you didn't have to, 
It wasn't make it to this level or bust. And that's what labels wanted when labels got in. I don't think labels ruined metal. That's not what I'm saying. I just think that like when the major label industry came into it, they wanted that that mountaintop. Well, you got to reach the mountaintop or else your career is a failure. And mm-hmm. that we've redefined even what the term failure and like failing in heavy metal means now because of, because of um, I don't know, the things that have happened, the, like the... The streaming world and the streaming era has kind of changed all of that now anyway. So maybe there's a home for negative 13 after all now. I think there is. I think there's a home for you. Yeah. If nowhere else, you got a home here. There's a couch <laughs> there. I got some extra blankets in yeah. the other room. Y'all, y'all are here. Yeah, we're just out of, yeah. I mean, we're heavy, but we're just not one thing. What do we say? We're post-punk infested stoner sludge doom core. Jesus Christ. We, we may add something else to it soon That's enough. not all of it. That's just, that's just where we fit on a shirt. Maybe the next record will have something else. Like, oh, there's this we could put on there. We'll just keep adding it onto the shirt. That'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> just keep adding like a whole thing. In the sh- uh-huh. Every album has a new thing on it. I'm down. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Love it. It's a new shirt, by the way. It's available on our band camp. Negative one, three. I plugged it. Nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, gentlemen, I'm yeah, going to uh, pull the plug on this conversation. I think we've had a lovely hour discussion, a lovely 60 minutes with my 60 minutes camera setup. That's right. Three camera uh, setup. You already know the deal. Negative 13 is the band. I will have a link to any of their relevant information in the description for this episode. Catch them at a show. Listen to the tunes. If you see them out and about, because they're around supporting the scene, even when they're not playing. That's right. Say hi. Introduce yourself. Tell them that you listen to the episode. Tell them that Sykes sent you. Right. <laughs> nice. Thanks and uh, yeah, you're very, very super duper welcome. This is really, this is cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm, gl- I'm glad you guys had a good time. Had a blast. I, 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 you guys are always a good hang. You know, we can sit and talk for. We try to be fun. Yeah. We honestly, we could. <laughs> talk i'm sure we'll end up talking much longer after i hit stop on this but <laughs> i will be back whenever i am back i don't know when it'll be schedules are for nerds the episode will be up when it's up deal with it nice goodbye yeah. that's a terrible way to end the episode <laughs> thanks for listening we love you goodbye <laughs> <laughs>